today on Geekdemine Powers. Doing sports younger, I was used to losing a lot because we I was in a lot of terrible teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I would go do portfolio reviews, interviews, like at the very beginning, I would get like destroyed. <laughs> like there would be like red marks, like this isn't good. And and I would see other people and it would like really hurt them. But like, I, I was like, okay, well, that's just where I'm at now. I can learn from all this and just keep going. Mm-hmm. And eventually people started like, like recognizing me. And I think I got, I earned respect by constantly going in and interviewing and not letting like, like, like uh, reviews. Cause they're not trying to hurt your feelings. They're just telling you what, what you need to get better at. And I, I really try to utilize that knowledge and move forward. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson, and you are listening to Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people, it is us, who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their stories, Geekdom Empowers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story, one huge Geekverse quilt. I say that every time, maybe I should pre-record myself. But it's true, and it's important, so I say that every time. For now. Today, our guest is Ralph Miranda, artist and animator. In the previous episode, I promised you that the interview with Ralph covers a point of view that is rare and amazing and hasn't appeared at all in all the 68 previous episodes of this podcast. And I think it's very healthy and it is quite different from the way I was brought up. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed. Listen, uh, it is uh, full of wisdom and interesting. Can you talk about all the stuff behind you? Oh, yeah. Um, behind me are basically all the gifts I've received for my birthday and Christmas, which are mostly a lot of pops. And then uh, next to it is my collection of uh, PlayStation 2 games, which is probably the the video game system that I've played the most. Um, and Wait, that's I also an have entire a... wall. That's an entire wall of stuff. That's just one birthday and one Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's, oh. But it's like um, 10 years worth of presents. <laughs> For and my birthday and my uh and Christmas are right, right, right next to each other, mm-hmm. so I usually get like one pretty nice present instead of like two, so it's built up over time. Okay, so that's like a few years, okay? Yeah, I see posters as well, right? Yes, I have a lot of Batman posters and either drawings people have made, and I usually hang up something, usually, I only hang up the things people have given me. Mm-hmm. So I like Batman, so I've gotten Batman posters, or maybe I've made posters. Uh, and I bought them and hung them up. Nice. Nice. So uh, what's your origin story? Oh, my origin story. Um, well, I remember back in uh, elementary school, I was the only kid that liked comic books and science fiction movies. So I always gravitated to that. And like, I think as a result, when I was young, I was one of the best artists in my elementary school. And when I went, I went to high school. Wait, as I a result of, of that? Well, yeah, because I, I was drawing. I was drawing all the time because I was reading yeah. comic books, and I was constantly drawing them. 
So I was always, I got really, really good at drawing. Uh -huh. And I was pretty much better than most of the kids I was running into at a young age. And that's something that stayed with me. So when I went to high school and I started actually looking for, I was going to go into business. Um, I met another friend who actually liked comic books for the first time. And we started talking and I think junior year, I drew my first comic book. And I think we made like, like an 80 page comic book back in high school. And I was like, page comic book. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty simple compared to what I, I do now, but I had so much fun. I'm like, you know what? Let me, when I go to college, I'm going to, my parents want me to study, study business, but on the side, I'm going to learn, I'm going to take art classes too. And I'm going to try to make a really, a really strong shot at becoming an artist. So I've always tried to push myself and, uh, and draw more than other people. Cause I, I learned that if someone's better than you, but you keep practicing more than they do, eventually you can possibly catch them up and pass them. Mm. So when I was in college, I made friends with, uh, one of the best artists I met was Chris Kaugiwa. I think he was on your show. Yeah. And so I, I was like, well, this is a pretty good guy to be my rival. So I started like hanging out with him a lot, trying to draw. I would see what he was doing. Well, I got to do more than that. Try to get myself really good. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a Goku Vegeta kind of thing. Where like, uh, if he's this good, then I got to keep training. Wow. And that's where'd you get that attitude from? Cause I was, I was brought up on the opposite attitude. Oh, really? Is you could be so talented, you're better than anyone. Like, that's oh, wow. basically the, the attitude I was brought up on. And I um, had to learn that you have to learn, work very hard regardless of talent. Um, I, I did a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. And in sports, that's what they always trained us at. And uh, we would have a I was I was wrestling and I was uh, I was I was winning championships and at and, uh, and our at our gym. They had a sign that said, I did good today. Tomorrow I will do better. Mm. And we always, we get that ingrained in us that where we're at today isn't where we have to be tomorrow. If we keep practicing, we can get a lot better. And I noticed that in sports. So I kind of took that philosophy into art. Like, can, can I say something about that? Because yes. I wrote a fairy tale once in, in one of my books about the athlete and like two twins, a pair of twins. Uh, mm -hmm. An athlete, and one is an athlete, one is an, an author. And mm -hmm. I'm in no way an athlete. I, I write. And the author could imagine impossible things, you know, and anything can be done and anything can be achieved. And you're all about superheroes that can do anything. And meanwhile, mm -hmm. the athlete, the one who ran against um, his own limits all the time, is the person who knew uh, limits, but also felt mm -hmm. the strongest and felt he could achieve the most. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I can I can see how those, both those perceptions will be real, because mm. um, I'm I'm pretty well aware of what my limits are right now, artistically, yeah, and where I still need to improve. So yeah, I I totally see that. And how, how else did you like? How else did you respond to people? Uh, um, yeah, I think because like doing sports younger, I was used to losing a lot because we I was on a lot of terrible teams. Mm -hmm. um so when i would go do portfolio reviews interviews like at the very beginning i would get like destroyed <laughs> like there would be like red marks like this isn't good and and i would see other people and it would like really hurt them but like i i was like okay well that's just where i'm at now i can learn from all this and just keep going mm -hmm. 
and eventually people started like like recognizing me and i think i got i earned respect by constantly going in and interviewing and not letting like 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 uh reviews because they're not trying to hurt your feelings they're just telling you what what you need to get better at and i i really try to utilize that knowledge and move forward and i think one of my favorite artists um was jim lee yeah and on his instagram he started posting all his early rejection letters when he was a kid when he was starting out too so it's not it's not anything we should like worry about but we all we all start at that level where we have to learn uh-huh. and not be afraid of failing because I think failing is such a, it's such a big part of the system that you got to be willing to accept it and like keep going forward, which is, it's kind of what I did. Cause I failed a lot when I started out, I was messed. I messed up so many times trying to get in there, got rejected so many times. And I, that's also part of the reason why I transitioned into storyboards. So I became a storyboard artist because um, I, when I got out of college, I was working like an auditing, but every night I'd go home and I'd practice my drawing and as I'm applying to comic book companies and I got hired by a few of them and I either made like no money or very little money on all those projects. Cause all these companies were, would say things like, Oh, we'll pay you on the profits. I didn't realize that they would make no profits on all this. So I was doing mm. all this work and uh, while I was drawing, I saw Chris started doing some storyboards. So I was like, okay, well, that's just kind of like comic books. I can kind of do that too. So I started applying to, uh, to different comic book companies. I mean, to different storyboard agencies and like little by little, I started snowballing up where the amount of work I was getting was increasing. And I started figuring out the system and then I got an agent and then my pay started going up. Wow. And then next thing I know, um, I got accepted into the Art Directors Guild. They give you a fancy little card here. Yeah. And now I can work on like big budget movies. And I have a, a storyboarded a Netflix movie that's coming up called Havoc. Wow. What's it called? Havoc. Havoc. Okay. Havoc. It'll be hopefully coming out next year. I think they started filming this year. And I'm always kind of looking for the next thing. So I was storyboarding. I was no, wait, reading all let's these. Let's get stuck on that. Let's let's talk about storyboarding for a second. Okay. Like, what are the lessons you learned in storyboard? Like, in which you improved? Like, what did you learn? So, I learned a lot of things. One of the things I learned is being efficient with my time. Mm-hmm. So, because with storyboarding, you're looking to draw. If you wanted to be a professional storyboard artist, you need to draw about 20 frames per day. So you've got to be able to maximize how you draw a panel to fit that time out. So what I started doing was I would make like a template that I could always go to. So I have a face and profile, a face on all these angles. And if I would get a project, I'd be like, okay, well, let me take my templates and I can make these really quickly. I have a set of resources that I saved, like cars, and I could just redesign the car I have like multiple angles drawn out. I can mm. put it in and then I can draw it really quickly. And then eventually by using these templates so often, I just got really good at drawing where I didn't really need them anymore. Like now I can draw a face, boom, really quickly. I can draw this car. I learned shortcuts for drawing backgrounds, like how to make perspective drawings really quickly, where I'll just put lines across the table, all across the page of how I think the perspective looks. 
then I'll just fill it out so that it looks legitimate. And then I, I got really good at camera angles because I'm hearing these directors talk about angles. So I learned all the angles of how, what looks good and how to stage a shot. So I was learning to draw, I was learning the camera angles, and I also learned how to work with people because the, the, these commercials and videos have like, have large groups of people. You have producers, you have directors, you have the writers. And it's funny because as a storyboard artist, you got to find a way to please all of them. <laughs> and sometimes they don't always meet up with what they want to see. So you try to take different ideas and kind of squeeze them in. I mean, usually, ideally, it's just the director's vision you're working with. But sometimes a producer will come in and he'll be like, no, we can't afford that. <laughs> Figure out how to do this with like less people or less background. So I learned to work in as a, as a group. And also when necessarily, if everyone's not agreeing, I kind of learned how to lead a little bit. So I started learning how to, how to communicate with everyone and tell them what my ideas would be for this project and start, uh, start cleaning it up. So I think you get a lot of foundation in storyboarding that really translates to a lot of different art acumens and or, or art fields and um, it pays well. So that was nice too. Hmm. And how, like, again, I, I'm, I'm back to, uh, to the attitude that you have. That is a lot of things to learn. And it's not just about, uh, you know, drawing. It's about hmm. people. It's about handling people. Was even leading. So most people, I think, would not let themselves learn so many things. Uh, they would be stuck just on the drawing or mm. they would say, you know, I'm already good. I know what I'm doing and then get stressed because they're getting negative feedback. Mm. Um, how do you think, like, where does that come from, including the ability to learn in multiple ways about multiple things? I think a lot of it comes from the way I was raised by my mom. So she always wanted me to get really good grades. And I remember when I was young, like first, second, third grade, like I don't, I couldn't learn. Like I was just not very good at like school. And I remember studying really hard for like one test. And then like when I got, a, when I got an A on it, I was like, oh, wow, I guess I can do all this. So I just really started learning how to apply myself and I became interested in a variety of things. Like I got, I got really good at math when I discovered how it applies to like things around life. And then after that, I got really into art. So I always became really interested in lots of disciplines and I wasn't ever scared to not do well in them. And I think when you're not scared to not do well and accept that there's some growth in it, I think that's when you really start learning or being able to like learn a lot of things. So uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and I was just, uh, like I said, like I, uh, I experienced so many like down points, whether it was in sports or early on, like in school that I just wasn't scared of like not doing well at some. Uh -huh. In fact, so nowadays, if we're like, having a, 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 like a board game night or another event, I almost think it's really funny if I do really bad at it for some reason. Like I don't, I, I like, 
I'm okay with winning, but I think losing also can have its own like kind of joy. It's kind of memorable when you get like blown out or something. So and that's just the way I, I kind of just came to see things. And the most extreme example of that is the math, because most people, when they find math hard, or because mm-hmm. there's a teacher that yells at them, or because, you know, there's someone in the class who's really good and they're not as good, then they decide they can't learn. And three weeks later, it becomes too late because they moved on. And yeah. that's why people never catch up, many people never catch up with math. I've never heard of someone who had that attitude in math. Oh, wow. Yeah, like it's funny because my sister's a teacher mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll go to school and I'll do art lessons and I'll kind of like apply math to it, which it'll like kind of make kids brains pop and they'll kind of see it a little differently. Like I'll talk about perspective and I'm like, well, perspective is just a coordinate plane. This is your X. This is your mm-hmm. Y coordinate. And I'm like when you when you draw on it, you're really kind of doing a little bit of geometry. And then I talk about like Angry Birds. I'm like, well, Angry Birds. Yeah. Is a game based on math. You put the, the bird here at this coordinate, and then you write a math equation that creates an axis. And I'm like, well, that's just the di- that's just this uh, other equation that was in your textbook. And sometimes kids like brains will pop because they don't realize that math is everywhere in their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, one one of my friends we programmed the video game at one point, so that was it was a really simple one on the Android a long time ago. But yeah, so. I don't know. I, I think like being, being able to know a lot of little things really helps. And I think that's also one of the things that, uh, that um, got me farther ahead. Like I started making a animated film. I learned myself how to video edit. Uh-huh. I learned how to sound en- engineer. And my friends, we made a cartoon called uh, Oh Bubba Lou, which is this one right here. Mm-hmm. And we started That's entering it on the YouTube channel. I saw that. Yeah. Yes. And we're making a longer cut for uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, um, nice. And uh, I believe once you go into the indie film scene, that's where people start meeting you. And I think that's where I got my storyboard gig to work on Havoc was because people were actually seeing it. So I think being able to put yourself out there and having a wide set of skills, you, you never know which one of those will be the one that hits. And at least that's what always works for me. Hmm. Although I will say one of my bigger problems and what I've tried to manage nowadays is like, I have so many ideas and so many things that I want to do. I've got to go, no, I'm not doing any of these. I'm working on this one right now. When I finish work, I'm going to work on this cartoon. This is the one I'm focusing on right now. This is the one I like the most. And How do you choose? I th- I, the way I choose is the one I'm most excited thinking about while I'm driving. <laughs> so uh, I'm driving a car. I'm like, what do I really want? If I, if I keep coming to this idea, then that's the one I want to work on. And this one's really fun because I get to work with all my friends and my girlfriend and my sister are the ones um, writing the story. And then I take their story and I write a script because I learned how to write scripts from all the storyboard projects. And then, and then I draw it all out. And I know all the camera angles, how to stage it from storyboarding. So it's just really exciting. So that's just generally, it's the one I'm most excited about right now. So that's the one I want to keep working on. So let's go back to this. Is, that's a cured project. Like, so you moved on from, uh, um, from doing storyboards. And what happened there? Like, so I'm still doing storyboards, but 
storyboards are kind of interesting because you don't work every day because you work when the project starts, you work and then you take a break and then you get called in for another project. So Wait, I you, got said three 20, you said 20 frames a day. How many frames overall in one storyboard? Like, uh... If it's a small commercial, it's about uh, 20, between 19 to 25 frames. Mm-hmm. If it's like a movie, they're probably going to pick a couple scenes and it ends up being like 300 storyboards. Music video comes out usually to around 66 to like 80 frames in my experience. Um, if they want, if they want it in color, for some reason, I don't know, some people want storyboards in color. Then it's about 13. I'm doing about 13, 14 mm-hmm. a day. Um, and I think, yeah, I think if you're starting out, I think a good rate is about like 350 to 400. You don't want to go too low. And once you've been in there for a while, you want to be charging about like 70 to 100. Because I've seen the budgets on these commercials and videos. They are like, they are very high. You're not, yeah. <laughs> you're not taking, you're not taking much by asking for those rates. And because you're not working every day and taking, and you need to worry about your own health insurance. You want to save up for all of that. They, mm-hmm. they do have the money for some of this. Even when they say the budget's tight, it's still like usually like a hundred grand for a commercial. <laughs> well, that's what I, I, I've seen. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. So, yeah. I dropped the deal. Yeah. I, um, so I usually work like two, three days out a week storyboarding uh commercials music videos and um after that i'll transition to making obaba and sometimes i'll make posters for conventions but mostly my my emphasis has been uh ways to promote it and figuring out like which one of my friends really want to work on it because some of them are super excited also to like Uh work on the project and when other people are excited, that makes me more energetic. You know, like I kind of feed on other people's energies. But one of the things that makes the project so fun is I'm working with my friends, I'm working with my girlfriend and uh, my sister, and everyone has like a lot of energy. Like they get really excited to work on it, uh-huh. and that excited that excitement like kind of energizes me. It makes me want to work better. Like I think I work really well in the group, and when people are are really motivated to work on it too. It, it really helps me get better. Uh-huh. And I've noticed that throughout, throughout my career that a lot of the people that you associate with you can like kind of push you forward. Like they're the ones that can recommend you to jobs. They're the ones that, you know, you, in a way you try to emulate your friends to a certain extent. So I've always had really good friends. Like Chris is my friend, uh, Jeremy, uh, Parsons, who I met in high school, he voices one of the characters. I made my first comic book with him. He's really been positive. So I feel like a lot of the times having like the right people around you can really, really like push you forward. And like you kind of see that also in movies, like a lot of people have the right friends at the right time. Yeah. Like John Favreau had the right friend. That's how he got directing. That's how he got Elf. Uh, I, I don't know the story. Um, I believe uh, 
John Favreau was roommates with it's it's not on Netflix. He was roommates with um, what is that? Uh, he's a tall person on um, Dodgeball. Uh, uh, Vince Vaughn. So his roommate oh, was yeah. Vince Vaughn. So um, I believe the way the story goes is Vince Vaughn was told about this movie Elf, so he recommended his friends to direct it, who didn't really have that much experience. And as a result, uh, John Favreau directed this film, and it blew up, and it made him a success. And then after uh-huh. that, he was able to move on. Um, Ralph Garman's, I believe, also had a famous roommate who got him a job on uh, on uh, his, I believe it was Jimmy Kimmel was his roommate, and he got him his first radio gig. Uh-huh. So sometimes, you know, meeting the right people when they're coming up, when they start making it, they kind of take you along with them. So that's uh, that's something I discovered later on. And I was glad that I made a lot of the friends I made because I wouldn't have discovered storyboarding without Chris. Uh-huh. And I probably wouldn't have discovered art without, you know, the help of Jeremy and Mike Woman when I was younger. Uh, he, he owned the comic book shop and he really introduced me to comic books when I was a little kid. So, yeah, I think... I think meeting the right people helps. And to this day, they, they give me the energy and they give me all this positive energy to make this cartoon, which we started during the onset of the pandemic because everything kind of shut down. There wasn't almost any storyboard work. Yeah. So I'm like, well, let's try to do something that most people wouldn't do. Let's make, let's make a web series. <laughs> let's try to push ourselves and see how far we can take it and and I got to admit, it's, it's been great. It's, it's a lot of fun working with people. And that's something I enjoy. And so let people know what the series is about. So the show is called Oh Bubba Lou, And it is kind of like the Muppets meets Friends. It's about a girl and her ape. And they, they go through normal daily activities, but they always have comedic results. So one of them would be like just watching funny television shows. And binge watching it too. They go like a week without sleeping. And then what, what happens to them afterwards? Like, how do they perceive the world? And posting the social media and like being sad that only one person liked their post, stuff like that. So I feel like because we're such a small studio, we, we, we don't go for really, we do what we can. And then we try to do funny social commentary on like how people relate to, to social media uh, we have a well, one episode on reading, so we have a book episode, and uh-huh. we try to make the cartoon uh, friendly for all ages. So it's kind of that Animaniacs level of comedy, where we try to put stuff in for adults that are kind of a little more subtle, but it's still good for kids. And I've been trying now to add a moral at the end of each episode, so that hopefully people can gain something out of it. So it was the middle of COVID. No job, mm-hmm. no work, and you did a project that no one's paying you for. Yes. So, what, like, uh, I get it, and at the same time, I've also learned, you know, you have to put food on the table and stuff. So yes. What was the thought, like, process like? So, yeah, I thought about that, too. Like, I became, like, an artist, not to make a lot of money, but because it's something, like, that motivates me internally. Like when I was working in finance, I could make more money there, but sitting at a cubicle, like looking at documents all day, it's just not, it wasn't exciting. So when I work on this cartoon, it's almost like becoming a kid again, like that, 
joy is still there. Like I haven't mm. lost the joy to make it. And then when I'm storyboarding and I'm reading some of these scripts, I'm like, I, I think I could kind of make, we can make something that's as good, maybe a little better. Maybe we should like, you know, show, mm-hmm. like show off a little bit. So, so we started making it and money would be good, but money isn't the ultimate goal. I think there's a value in seeing something completed. Like sometimes I feel like drawing in itself isn't that much fun, but seeing the finalized work, like that's the fun, like being able to show it to people to go, Hey, mm-hmm. this is, this is my painting. I put on the, on the, on the wall. Like This is my accomplishment. And having that like internal motivation, I think is what really makes a project hopefully good. Hopefully like that is what made the, the project really well. And also it's a good showpiece to show, I guess if you want to think about financially, it's a good way to show clients like, Hey, this is, this is what I can bring to the table. I can also now, I now have something that I can pitch uh, to studios either as something that they could take up or if they want to hire me to, to work for them. So there is a possibility of financial gain there, but it's not what, what brings it out. It's something that I can leave behind and people can have easy access to and watch and maybe someday people will see it. And I think also more than making money, it's more about having people see it. Like I'm more interested in having other people watch it than making money, Mm -hmm. like sharing this with other people. That's, that's great. That's the artist's way. Uh, and uh, uh, you said, how did, how did you get from that position to Amazon Prime? You said it's an Amazon, Amazon Prime. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload it to Amazon Prime. So I, one of the things that I like to do is watch terrible movies. I really enjoy oh. watching. We, my friends back in high school, we used to have a day called Batter Day where we okay. would find the worst movie and we would watch it. So I was on app. So I'll watch when I'm drawing. I like to have something play on my background. And I noticed a suspicious amount of free, terrible movies on Amazon prime. And a lot of them looked like they were college films. Like they were very low budget and I had a good time watching them. Um, I believe if it's there, it's uh, the pinata Pinata Apocalypse is on Amazon Prime. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, how are these people getting on this? Let me look it up. And I found out anyone can you can just upload your film to Amazon Prime. And the way they pay is you get, I believe, six cents per every like hundred thousand hours watched or something. Six cents for a hundred hours. Yeah, like I believe it might be like I think they raised it. It might be like ten thousand or a hundred thousand at this point. So, um, I was like, "Well, that's cool." I feel like Amazon Prime is maybe a, a a better platform because they they change their policy where you can't have they only want fiction, so they don't want documentaries. They don't want people who are playing games or reacting to stuff. They only want stuff that is from a script. So I'm like, okay, hmm. let, me, let, me, let me start digging into this. So I'm gonna, so I created my account. 
I'm setting up the video to upload it. I think I want to do a release during a convention, maybe WonderCon. Hmm. And then I started noticing that if you go on Amazon Prime, like their movies don't get a lot of reviews on them. Sure. Like old 80s films only get like maybe 200 reviews. So I, I was noticing the more reviews you get, you kind of start skyrocketing up the list. Hmm. So I'm like, I got to make more friends now because I got to make at least 300 friends to review this cartoon when it comes out. So I was like, I'm trying to gauge the system so that when we release it, hopefully we can um, get a couple of views. Maybe we can make that six cents. My goal is six cents off the project. And <laughs> yeah, let's make six cents. Yeah. So that's right. That's where I'm kind of shooting for right now. And that's actually I because I don't live in the United States. We have Amazon Prime here, but you can't do that. Like you, you can't. You have no over here. I have no access to all those free tons of free movies that people upload. I only see the stuff that's uh, uh, oh. you know the big stuff. Oh, okay, that's that's oh. we have some. I saw one where a couch came to life and started eating people. Okay. <laughs> I saw one where a merry-go-round was actually an alien and it had like laser beams that shot out of its horn. So I, I believe horror films are the ones where usually you get a lot of these crazy ones, but they're all over yeah. Amazon. So if anyone wow. is looking for terrible films, they're, they're all floating around Amazon Prime. But uh, <laughs> just be careful. You will mess up your queue like I have. And <laughs> yeah. that's all I'll be recommending to you for a while. But I'm also thinking, you know, I have two movies I can upload to Amazon. I never knew I just could, but they'll take it. So, yes, they used to have a thing where you could also upload it and put it up for rent, and you would get fifty percent of whatever the rental fee was. Mm -hmm. But they've taken away that service from people. I, like every year, they take away a little bit mm -hmm. and make it like a little harder. So, if you have films, I would upload them. Hopefully, this this year, while they're still like unsolicited stuff is fine for them. Hmm. Okay. I'll definitely do that. Um, I didn't know that. That's, that's amazing. Okay, so I thought like you had a deal with Amazon Prime because that's the only way I know how to get to Amazon Prime. Yeah. Before I forget, it's called Amazon Prime Direct. That is okay. the uh, up uploading service. Yeah, we don't have. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So that uh, that completely threw me. My head is like spinning and stuff. We can do. I can upload it. And no one can watch. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So so you also said you 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 can uh, do storyboards for uh, bigger movies now, right? Yes. What does that mean? Like, so there. Um... So the way it works in Hollywood is to work on a big film, you need to be in the union mm -hmm. because those are union jobs. Independent films, you don't need to be in the union. But like, if you want to work on Marvel or anything in uh, Disney, if you want to work for Warner Brothers, um, you need to be in the union. But to work in the to get a union membership, you have to have worked on a union project. So it's like Catch Twenty Two. You're supposed to be in it but you can't be in it unless you're already in it but i found a couple of loopholes that you can kind of do to get into the system and the first one is if you work on a project that isn't union and it becomes union 
then you can apply. But I also discovered if you're working on commercials, um, commercials are now allowed to have a few non-union workers, like I think like two or three. So once you do a couple hours, even if you're non-union, you can email the union to get inside the union. And I worked, I became friends with a lot of directors and one of them, it was a Peloton commercial that be, that was a union project. He brought me in. I worked on that. I worked on the Apple project for the launch of the new Apple presentation uh, list last year. Uh, that was union. And then I just emailed the Art Directors Guild 800, ADG 800. I'm like, hey, I did my two union projects. Can I get in? And they knew already knew who I was. I don't know how they knew it, but they already knew everything about me. So they just emailed me back with the forms. Uh, I paid my union dues and uh, I got in. So I know a lot of my friends, it's funny because a lot of my friends probably could have gotten into union, but they were too scared to apply. They were waiting to get that perfect resume, that perfect portfolio. And I'm like, I don't know if it'll be perfect. This is the first chance I get to apply. I'm just going to apply and see what happens. And it, and it worked out. And now I'm telling, I, got, I told Chris, like, just apply now. You got probably have enough. See what they tell you. Worst thing that they can say is no. Just apply later on. That's it. You can just apply again. Yeah. It's not like they're going to ban you for life. <laughs> yeah, right. It's and in their interest to have more members. Actually. It is because I, I, pay, I pay to them. So yeah. you have to pay, I think it's like 2000 a year or something like that. So, and it's worth it because your rate goes up and you, you get a pension. So, yeah, just apply. Uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no harm in getting a no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else uh, that we didn't cover that you want to cover? I, f- I feel like, yeah, I feel, that, I feel that's it. And I, I, maybe it, I guess my advice that I could give to any young artist, like, um, like if I was me and I was talking mm-hmm. to me in, in, in college, I would be like, you know, if something's not working, you know, maybe it's okay to try new things right away. Mm-hmm. Comics weren't working for me. So I went to storyboards. Maybe you could make, and if it doesn't work out right away, you know, it's okay. You could spend some time on it, figure it out. And then eventually, hopefully you can, uh, make it work. Like that's something I wish I had. I spent, I probably spent too long working on like submitting comic books and I never made profit on them. If I would be willing to like broaden my horizon sooner and like really push it, I think I could have uh, discovered storyboarding sooner. And that might have been kind of cool. Where can people find you? Well, you can go on my uh, YouTube channel and watch Obabaloo. <coughs> You can also find me on uh, Instagram as Ralph and Ox. And uh, it's also my uh, Twitter handle, but I mostly post on Instagram and on YouTube under uh, Obubble, which is the cartoon. Thank you so much to Ralph. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and I hope you found it as enlightening. The links to where you can find Ralph are in the show notes. And now, next time, because there's always a next time, we're going to tackle a superhero, the likes of which you have never seen. So stick around for that. What did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson, that's H-A-S-S-O-N, at giggedimimpowers.com. 
Gigdomin Pals comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The website is gigdominpals.com on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're at gigdominpals on YouTube. We're, we're gigdominpals. And if you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Buckle Diaries. It's an experiment in epic fantasy, unlike anything you've ever seen. And whatever you imagine when you hear that, it's not like that. So feel free to check it out. It's called The Squash Buckle Diaries. I will see you next time. So for now, have an empowered day.